I started doing yoga to help with my flexibility. But the more I learned, the more I realized how much more the study of yoga has to offer. Yoga has improved my physical and mental health and outlook on life. I feel that yoga can be beneficial for everyone. My mission is to share what I've learned about yoga with all the non-yogis, Joe Sixpacks, and everyday people in a down-to-earth fashion. My name is Luis, and this is the Ordinary Yogi Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Ordinary Yogi Podcast. Uh, Today, I want to talk about the eight limbs of yoga. And you're like, man, what the fuck? Eight limbs? I thought yoga was just standing in poses and fucking going home and fucking namaste and all that shit. Well, no. And that's kind of what I thought yoga was for the longest time. Uh, Just kind of going, doing the poses, saying om, saying namaste, and and moving on. Uh, But, you know, the more I learned about it, of course, through my teacher training, I have everything to to thank them for. Uh, I found how deep this well actually is. And the, the more I dug into it, the more the, the lessons of, of yoga philosophy really helped shape my spirituality and my outlook on life and my mental health and my physical health. Uh, so I've never really been a really religious guy. Uh, I grew up Catholic um, in a Latino Mexican household. So you can imagine it was very like, it was super, super Catholic, which is kind of weird. Uh, my parents they did their best, but you know we went to church uh, may, maybe on Easter, Ash Wednesday for sure, and I think that was about it. And, you know they did their best to try and get us there every Sunday, but it just it didn't work out. Um, and even then, I had Catholicism kind of shoved down my throat a lot, and my outlook on it for the longest time is I was afraid afraid of God. I was like, oh man, I'm going to do something bad. That's it. I'm fuck. I'm going to hell. This is it. You know what I mean? And granted my, my specifically my, my grandma, she didn't help. It was kind of like, Hey, fucking God's watching a little pervert. So just stop what you're doing. I know what you're doing in there. And you know, that kind of really put a bad taste in my mouth, uh, when it comes to religion for the longest. And even after that, I, I met a lot of people that, you know, went to church every Sunday, swore they were Christians, but they were still kind of dicks and just mean people. So I, I always kind of thought, you know, maybe church and religion just isn't isn't for me. Um, but through, you know, yoga philosophy, the more I learned, the, it kind of helped me develop this spirituality that connects me to a higher power, not necessarily through the church, but just through, you know, understanding that I am a part of, of something much, much bigger. And it helps me realize that. And I feel like if I shared these lessons with people, what I'm about to get into the eight limbs of yoga, maybe something you, someone can pick it up and maybe be interested in it. Maybe they're in the same boat I was uh, spiritually or, you know, had that opinions of religion. So moving on to the eight limbs of yoga, uh, this is uh, written in the a very famous yoga novel, or not novel, it's a yoga text. Uh, the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. And Patanjali was this kind of written as this divine figure. Some people say he was just, it was just one dude. Some people say it was just a contribution of many people writing to the Yoga Sutras. 
And again, other people think he was this, this divine from the heavens uh, person that came up with these yoga sutras. Now, although he didn't create yoga, um, he systemized this approach to yoga and these eight limbs or these eight-folded paths of yoga. So as we get into these uh, sutra, into these limbs, understand that each step or each limb of yoga builds on, to the, on the last one. And it ultimately leads us to what's called samadhi or self-realization or, you know, enlightenment, whatever you want to call it, right? But we have to kind of build and start at the very bottom or the first limb of yoga and build our way all the way up to the eighth limb. And can the eighth limb, it takes a lot of time and practice to get there. You have to be very, very disciplined. Um, just like enlightenment, you know what I mean? It, very few people can make it there, but it shouldn't stop us from trying and we'll still achieve something even through the effort. So the first limb of yoga are the yamas, and the yamas are uh, the ethics of yoga. And this, I kind of see them as how we deal with the outside world, how we deal with other people um, and other living creatures. So within the yamas, there are five of them. The first one is ahimsa. Ahimsa is nonviolence, right? Pretty easy enough, right? Nonviolence towards any other creature, but not necessarily through, not just through our actions, but through our words and our thoughts. And kind of simply, simply put, just don't be a fucking, don't be a dick. Don't cause harm to anybody or any other thing. And, you know, that's kind of the ahimsa in, in a nutshell. As we move on to satya, this is truthfulness. And what I like about this is it kind of specifically says, you know, speaking truth, but if the truth harms somebody, Keep your fucking mouth shut. That's all you got. If you got nothing nice to say, just don't say anything at all. But again, truthfulness, not even just through our words, but through our actions as well. As we proceed to the third yama, Atsetya, this is non-stealing. And this is uh, not just stealing of goods and physical things, but, you know, uh, there are many levels to this. Stealing uh, someone's time, right? Taking someone's time. Or an example that was given is, if, you, if you're eavesdropping on someone's conversation, you're stealing that conversation. So that goes into non-stealing. Um, I think that's really interesting. I like a lot of people do this. I, I personally fucking love drama, and I try my best not to, but you know, it's just, it's just who I am. Um, the next one is Charya, which is uh, sexual energy or control of the sexual energy. So this is kind of, um, you know, celibacy. This is not a very popular yama, and I can understand why. I love, you know, doing the do. However, we can also look at this as just control of our energy itself. So not diving too deep into giving so many things that don't deserve our energy, our energy and attention. So control of our energy is very, very important, I think, in this day and age, which, you know, we get caught up in drama of what the fuck's going on in our social media, which at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Is that it's taking away energy from something else that could really use it, right? And that kind of goes back to Ahimsa. If by giving your, something, giving your energy to something that doesn't deserve it, doesn't serve you or the world, you're taking that energy you could be giving to someone that really could use your energy or, or, or love or whatever, right? So I think that's a really good one too. And the last one is Apari. Gana. And I may have, again, these are all Sanskrit words. I may be pronouncing them. You know, bear with me. And this is uh, non hoarding. And I like this one too. My wife and I, we do our best to live kind of a minimalistic lifestyle where we 
only take and buy things that we absolutely need. And I, I, I'm a big fan of this thought process. I don't like having a lot of shit around, especially things that I just don't need and don't aren't serving me to any good. Because at that point, you're you maybe you may be taking that good or something from someone else that could be using it, and that kind of again goes back to himsa not causing any harm to any other living creature. Uh, so all those those are the yamas. This is the first limb of yoga. As we move on to the second limb of yoga, this is the niyamas. The niyamas are the observances, and I see them as how we deal with the inside world or ourselves. And there are five of these. Uh, the first one is saucha, which is cleanliness or purity. And this is, again, many levels to this. Not just of the body. Of course, we should keep our bodies clean, but also our environment, right? Keep our room, our desk, all these things clean. By doing that, we are able to have a clear mental space. Additionally to that is what we consume clean. And by that, I mean, you know, food, is it healthy? Or, you know, media or information, what good is it serving us? Are we just fucking taking in just hateful things and that kind of affects us in our mentality? So, again, uh, Saucha is on many different levels of cleanliness. The next one is Santosha. Uh, this is contentment. And this is a, a very, and again, they're all important, but, and I might say it a lot, but contentment of what we have. And this doesn't mean to not have goals or pursuits or anything like that, but just having gratitude for what we are given every single day and being happy with where we are in our journey. And again, our journey may be to, you know, make a fucking shit ton of money or to, you know, lose a certain amount of weight or just have some sort of status, which is all good and fine. We should have goals, but to not pay so much attention to the finish line that we're not enjoying the race ourselves, right? That's just kind of Santosha to me. Uh, the next Niyama is Tapas. These aren't the delicious things you share with other friends. Tapas is self-discipline, and it's, it's born out of a, a burning desire, right? And I kind of, I like this because, again, it's many different levels. Um, so Tapas self-discipline is showing up to do the things even though you really, really don't want to do them. And by showing up every single day through this fire, right, that we build within our bodies, we are able to burn away these impurities or things that no longer serve us or the ideas of who we think we are, right? If I, you know, say I want to fucking run a marathon, um, a part of my mind is going to be like, I, there's no way I can do this. I can't do this. But through tapas, through this self-discipline, if I show up, every single day, put in the work, eventually, eventually, that thought that I can't do this will burn away. It will just go away because showing up every single day, I show myself, well, fuck, I can do this. I just need to show up and have that self-discipline. And, you know, on another level, I I like this, the term to stoke your fire. And I kind of, this, this goes into tapas and self-discipline where if you have a burning desire to try something, to do something, you owe it to yourself. And I mean, capital S, the, the piece of universe that's inside you that's urging you to do this thing, to try it out, to stoke that fire, to keep it burning. Um, and because if we don't, we kind of lose a piece of ourselves, I feel. Uh, anyway, moving on to the next niyama, which is Svatyaya. And this is self-study or the study of self. 
Now, in self-study, we're talking about, in yoga, it's, it's you know, it's yogic text, um, things that we can further pers- no, grow knowledge of our spiritual pursuits. Um, you can also, you know, the Quran, the Bible, anything that's going to elevate your spiritual religious game, you should make time to do so, right? We shouldn't be satisfied with the amount of knowledge that we have. There are uh, plenty of things we can f- dig into if we really want to. Uh, on another level, we have the study of self, and this goes through self-reflection. And, you know, as we move into the other limbs of yoga, you'll see how, you know, holding yogic posture is a, is a study of self. You're seeing how does this make my body feel? How do certain things make me feel emotionally and mentally? Not necessarily uh, acting on these things, but just kind of observing, you know, again, studying the self. It's, it's, Something I'll, you know, we probably don't do that often. And the, the last niyama is Ishvara Pratihana. And this is surrender. And this is a very, very difficult one to practice every single day because we try to be in control of fucking absolutely everything in this world. But in reality, we have absolutely no control of anything in this world. Right. And, and it's this surrender to this idea that, you know, whatever comes, comes it to me, it fucking it frees my mind. I can't worry about any outcomes because I fucking have no say in <laughs> what's going to come. All I can do is, you know, do my practices, do my self-disciplines, do whatever I need to do. And whatever comes, comes. Right. We have no control. And you know, surrendering to this higher power, it doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, religious of like God or anything like that, but just a realization that this whole world that we live in took billions of years to get to where we are right now, wherever you're sitting right now, it took billions of fucking years. What makes you think that you have any control of it whatsoever? And I think in surrendering to that thought is very freeing, in my opinion. Let me know what you think. So those are the first two limbs of yoga. It's a lot to take in. I mean, I, you know, if you need a couple listens, whatever. And I plan on doing a couple episodes on the yamas and niyamas specifically, kind of diving to each one a little bit more. So as we move into the third limb of yoga, these are the asanas. And this is what we think of typically when we think of yoga, which is doing the classes, holding the poses, showing up to your mat. And I see this as the, this is the beginning of the journey inward to the self, right? Where the yamas are dealing with the inside wor- outside world, the niyamas are dealing with the, you know, how you treat yourself. Now the asanas, when you're doing a class, when you're holding these yoga poses, you're starting to build this awareness of your body. You know, it's, when you're holding a pose, it's you're really focusing on how everything feels in your body. Are you balancing right? Are you feeling it where you should be? You're not concerned with well, what fucking groceries do I need to pick up today? Or what do I what am I gonna do? What's on my to do list tomorrow? You're really starting to focus and draw yourself inward. And that's kind of like the mind body connection that the the poses or the asanas are starting to build. In addition, you know, it's it's building a healthy body through flexibility, through strength, and healthy body equals a healthy mind. And on the mind, I, I read this thing that I really liked where the, the mind and body are like a child. And if they were left to their own devices, they would just seek out pleasurous things fucking all the time, right? If your kid 
had a choice, you would probably chicken fingers and ice cream every meal, every single fucking day. However, you being the adult or you being aware knows that that is not good for him. And we, we kind of ourself with a capital S knows that our mind and body need a challenge. They need that resistance. And by doing the poses, we build this like endurance to be steadfast in some sort of adversity, even though, you know, it's just yoga. It, it is building that character. And I feel like, you know, a throwback to the niyamas, doing a, a practice kind of, you have to kind of practice all those things, right? You have to be cleanliness of mind because if you see someone next to you that's able to bend or do whatever that you're not able to, you may have these negative thoughts. So you need to clear those things out, right? You need to have clean, supportive thoughts in your head. Like I am good enough. This is my practice, whatever. If we talk about Santosha or contentment, you have to be happy where you are in your practice and be thankful that for what your body can do rather than judge it for what it can't. And again, tapas is just showing up, doing it, whether you'd want to or not. In Svatyaya, the self-study, you're studying how this all feels in your body. And then the last one is letting go, or Ishvara Pratihana. You have to let go of your expectations of this practice and just let it go, right? And just enjoy being there. You have no control of it whatsoever. So that is the third limb. As we move on to the fourth limb, which is pranayama, I did an episode on pranayama and breath work and how it's important. So I won't spend too much time on it. And this is, you know, controlling your energy. Prana is energy, right? And breathing in that life and controlling it, it helps build. And this is the, the bridge between the mind and the body, right? And we're just further journeying. Journeying? Journey? I don't know the word. We're further moving inward. That's what I'm trying to say. And, and then we get into the, the fifth limb, right? After pranayama, we're just pratyahara. And this is sensory withdrawal. And I see this as, you know, you start entering this flow state where the outside world just tends to melt away. You're not concerned with anything other than what's going on inside. So you see how the, the asanas, the yoga poses, kind of bring us inward a little bit. Pranayama, controlling our breath, focusing on our breath, brings us in a little bit more. To the point where we reach the fifth limb, which is the sense we withdraw. We start not worrying about the outside world. Right? We journey more inward. And we're free from any sensory output. The fifth limb gets us ready for the sixth limb. And here we're starting to go into the mind and meditation part of yoga. And the sixth limb is dhyana, dhyana, excuse me. And this is focus and concentration, right? When we, when the outside world melts away, we're able to really focus on what's going on inside, focusing on one thing. This takes time to develop, right? Typically, we have a, what's called a monkey mind, and it fucking wants to think about everything all at once. But focusing, you know, it is a muscle. We have, to, we have to practice it, and be kind to yourself if you do this. And there are a few examples, right? There's, you can stare at a candle and just focusing on everything you have on that candle, what it looks like. There's also, you know, the breath is also a very good and easy one, focusing on how the breath feels. There's also sound, right? If you have uh, Tibetan singing bowls or taking a sound bath. If you've never done it, it's fucking, it's awesome. Just look it up on YouTube. And, you know, also walking is another form of focus and concentration. If you really focus on how the bo- how your body weight feels on every single step, you're drawing everything inward and not focusing on the outside world. 
Now this sixth limb transitions us right to the seventh limb, which is dhyana, and this is actual meditation, right? And here we're starting to touch on the connectedness of all things. We're realizing that we are more than just our body, right? Our ego, and even our mind, right? We have a piece of the universe in God that lies within us all, and you're touching on this, and you're realizing that you are this supreme being, a small piece of it. And everything else, you're able to see from a third-person perspective, right? How your mind reacts to things, how your body reacts to things, how your ego reacts to things. And I think this is a, a very important step, right? Because we're able to step back and realize things and see things from a different perspective and, you know, just have a different view and maybe not react to things that we would normally. Now, if you do all of these seven limbs, right? You do your yamas, niyamas, asanas, pranayama. You do your sensory withdrawal. You focus, you meditate. If you do all that with enough discipline and intention, you will reach the eighth limb of yoga, which is samadhi or self-realization, right? This is where you, instead of touching on that connectedness with the supreme self that lies within, you are, you just become one. And a beautiful way that I heard described is, imagine a bubble floating around in the air. Now the air inside the bubble and outside the bubble our God or the universe or whatever you want to call it. And you, you know, your body, your mind, whatever, is this, the, the bubble itself. And then imagine that bubble's just bursting. Now you can't tell what is, what was in the bubble, what was outside the bubble, what was in you, what was in the rest of the world. It's all just connected into one. And this is samadhi, a spiritual connectedness to absolutely everything. You're no longer an individual. Right? That melts away and you're connected to absolutely everything. It's a beautiful thing if you really think about it. And we're all able to do this. Again, it's just it's very, very difficult. It takes a lot of time and practice to get there. So those are the eight limbs of yoga. Hopefully you all maybe found something that was interesting. You may want to dig into a little bit more. Um, and you find value in this. Again, I, I share this because the more I dug into it, you know, and the more I talked and to people that of other religions, I kind of realized it's all branches of the same tree, man. We're all trying to do the same thing is feel this connectedness with this supreme force, whatever you want to call it, and trying to be good people. And there's just different teachings of ways of getting there. And uh, I thank you guys for listening. I really hope you find value in this. And I will talk to you guys next week.